what if white was a teddy bear? <laughs> no. Teddy what? bears do not what deserve this kind of slander. What do you mean, a teddy bear? <laughs> like, don't you know that one game where it's like you oh. play hide and seek with an animated doll? Yeah, with a stuffed animal that you summon a spirit into and then you like put it on a fucking some devil star shit and put candles and summon some demon anyway and then go play hide and seek and then when you're done you gotta like tie it up and put it in a bathtub and drown it or something with drown it or stab it yeah and then you gotta stab it while it's underwater and it has to be like silver or some shit what the fuck who would play i know it's not real it's not real but who would play it if it was why would you tempt that? Why would you invite such evil into your life? That's how you get those shitty movies that you're like based on a true story. And you're like, why is it? I mean, reality yeah. is stranger than so. fiction. You're so apparently. Right. I mean, is it really? There's yes, some, it is. There's some strange shit. What's what's on the okay. menu today, Magpie? On the menu today is sweet and sour pork. Sweet and sour pals! Hell yeah! Okay. <laughs> Hello, turtles, and welcome back to Turtle Talk. I'm your host, Magpie. And these are my two co-hosts, Rezzy and Ellie. Hello. Hi. Hi. Today we're going to be discussing my absolute favorite team in the tower, Team Sweet and Sour. So, um, big boy spoiler warning for this episode. Oh, yeah. It's it's season two spoilers. All, all season two. You better have read season two. It basically spoilers the major point, plot points of season two, I think. At least the beginning of it. Oh, we're going to spoil everything. We're going to dissect it. We're, we're going to spoil everything. Yeah, we're going to cry over Serve it. it and deconstruct it. You know, like deconstructed coffee where they'll give you the fucking beans the and then the water. Coffee. And then... <laughs> That's disgusting. Or... Just eat the beans. <laughs> Just eat the know. beans raw. Like they do pasta. deconstructed meals and shit. They like to separate all the stuff out and have you put it together. That's just lazy BS. Yeah, they just give you beans in a bowl and demand you eat it. <laughs> That's fucking deconstructed No, no. Coffee. They give you the deconstructed coffee. You take the beans looking the waiter in the eye. Just dead. Putting, shoving beans in your mouth. Opening your mouth again and pouring in boiling water. <laughs> oh no. It's not gonna taste great. You no. should probably put the filter in first in your mouth and then put the beans in. <laughs> I mean if you have taste buds left. Oh boy. Um please don't do this at home. Please don't try this. Please do. I I wanna see no, someone try. Don't no. ever listen to Mac no. Do not listen to Magpie. Magpie has great ideas. I don't know what you're talking mm. about. Oh gonna be a no on that not today <sighs> fine all right so what do we want to start with well we have our first question the most importante of questions Ooh. what is your favorite part of team sweet and sour like yeah what's your favorite part of it what is my favorite part of team sweet and sour it's definitely that found family feel you know 
in the beginning, they're all against each other, all trying to deal with fucking Viol's attitude. And that kind of actually ends up backfiring on Viol. His emo face. Yeah, dude. He's so emo. He's like, no one's gonna love me, so I'm gonna kill you all instead. I can't love people. I can't care for people or my friends will die. I can't have any more friends. If these people become my friends, they're gonna be the next people on Fugue's hit list. Ugh. Sad. Is it Fug or Fug? It's probably Fug. Ellie says it F-U-G. Yeah, I say it F-U-G. I refuse to say Fug. That sounds like a different word. Because, yeah, I've heard it called Fug and I really don't like that. Ugh. Bitch, you fugly. Me at white. No, it just sounds really bad. Yeah. Fug. No. Yeah, that's why I stick with F-U-G. I'm going to say Fug. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Fug is good. Fug sounds like F U G U E, the other word. So that's why I don't use that. I get you. Mm -hmm. Anyways, back to the point with Team Sweet and Sour. Mm -hmm. Team Sweet and Sour is amazing. I and I just love how they're average people in the tower, and I think they were really made to have a dichotomy between Bomb, who is a powerful, special, irregular, special. having to deal with people who aren't really that strong, who aren't as clever or powerful as everyone else, and really deal with that and learn. He learns a lot from them, I think, about family. Uh, I'm gonna say a not nice thing, but they're basically Viol's morality pet. They're basically there to make Viol seem like who hasn't become a totally evil person in the beginning of the series. Because at that point, we don't really know who or what Viol is. And he's presented somewhat antagonistic to the people we see at that point, uh, like Wagner or any of the other teams we didn't saw. But they're also there to make him seem, you know, like he still has something redeemable to him, that he's not entirely lost what made him bam. So they're basically a morality pet at that point. You say that, and it doesn't sound like a, like a negative thing to me. I wouldn't call it like morality pet, but... You know, it's not really a negative thing. It's mostly just that once their role finished as Viol's morality pet in the story, because Rakhun Bam got Bam back, mm -hmm. they kind of lost purpose by a lot. Like, they kind of just tagged along without any purpose. Yeah, I can see how they're the morality bot in that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, like, they're there... And they're trying to be there for Bam, but they're also very ineffective at being there for Bam. And it's kind of sad. It's just, it's so hard to reach out for him. Mm -hmm. I get what you mean. Because you're absolutely right. Even when Kuhn finally meets them, he's like, who the fuck are these losers? <laughs> like, they have no redeeming qualities. They're just a ragtag bundle of stray yeah. cats. Yeah, I mean, see, that's the point. Kuhn literally comments that, oh, Bam likes them because they're soft-hearted idiots. And that feels like such a morality pet thing. It is. He, he literally calls them idiots and he's like, oh, Bam used to be this way too. And it's like... That's their only purpose. And then we don't really see them again anymore after we get through this arc. Which I hate. They have so much potential to have so much more purpose and growth. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I hate Wangman. Look, here, fucker. <laughs> this is why I hate him. <laughs> why? Really just popping off with the unpopular opinions today. I just... Mm, is that one of the questions later? Am I going to have to save my rant? No, no, uh, go for it's it. who's your favorite character or dynamic. And then you can also put your least favorite character, uh, which you're wrong about. So, all right. 
my favorite thing about the character dynamic in Team Sweet and Sour is that they're basically like these lost puppies that started following Vio just because he has money and he can handle them. And that's really funny to me. Mm-hmm. But also not to discount the fact that they all really bonded with each other. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite scene during Love's Test was when Misang handed out snacks to everyone, even Viol. And I was like, but not to our Raptor. She said, no, fuck our Raptor. The fucking creepy uncle now. But then when he's sitting outside her door, they play a fucking game together. And that's so sweet. Yeah. It is. And then he beats up that weird, creepy pedo granny, which is weird. Which was really weird. That kind of came out of nowhere. And I kind of get what he was trying to go for. Yeah. Sio was trying to do by including that because he kind of insinuates that a lot in the storyline. He does so much. That whole trafficking thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then it drops off and we forget about it in favor of big booms later in the story. But I digress. Yeah. It makes sense in the world of the tower where there would be a bunch of sexual assault because it's all about power and that too is about power and i don't know i think i'm kind of glad that he leaves it implied rather than using it as a story device yeah because there's this one saying where it's like if you can do anything else besides sexual assault as your plot device do anything else mm-hmm See, that's fine. But the thing that really bothers me about that was that the implied woman was kind of fat. And the implication was that basically her character design leans way too much on her being fat to look shady. And that's the kind of thing that bothers me a little. Yeah, they do that a lot. Like one of the main evil guys who's just irredeemable is Michael. And he's also one of the only people of color that we really get much of a glimpse of. Besides, like, the blitzes. Uh, see, the concept of people of color is kind of difficult to discern when it comes to things that are Asian media. Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, traitors that are Asian don't really think of them as people of color or as the characters are specifically white or people of color. Yeah. In that sense, it's kind of harder to demarcate linearly like that. But it doesn't change the fact that Michael is one of the very few dark-skinned characters in the series and he's instantly presented as being... Um, literally the creepiest motherfucker he wants to hide Kuhn away from everyone and fill him with formaldehyde he brought a needle to a knife fight that is yeah Mm. and it's also not great that we barely have any darker skinned woman in the series besides Evankil yeah I think Evankil is like the only example we have that's true and you can't even say this is a Korean thing because Korea has plenty of dark skinned Asians It's sort of a whole issue of colorism in Asia and how rarely they get represented in Asian media. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Mm -hmm. But back to, I guess, our normal topic, because we are going to get back to the colorism eventually in a different episode. Yeah, Yeah, let us know if you're interested in in that. Mm -hmm. Yes, please do tell us. Other than the whole lost puppy dogs following the old dynamic, I also really kind of like the friendship that grew between Prince and Misen. Yes! That was cute. Like, not in a shippy way, but even just the this this really weird bonding happened kind of way. Yeah, especially since they're both child-coded and Misen is an actual child too. I mean, it's sort of weird because there's no clear ages stated. So you can really put them at any age range as long as it's like a child. Because Prince, when you see him initially and the way he treats Ava, it comes across as, you know, 
fairly young adult or like 18, 19-ish age. Oh, I was going to go more like 16. Yeah, maybe 16, 17. I would have guessed 17 at least in the beginning with his treatment of Ava. But then you see him later with me saying and then he seems like, I don't know, 13 or 40 at best. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was purposely done to kind of give him a more mature look or like acting like he's more mature than he is in the beginning mm-hmm. and then him actually returning to his actual personality, his real age. Yeah. And even with me saying her design varies a lot across the season. So in the beginning of season two, she seems older than she looks later on. So that's another thing. And people even comment that she's a kid. Mm-hmm. And I still don't understand what was with the school uniform, considering that she's climbing the tower. It's a fashion statement. Yeah. Did she run away from school and start to climb the <laughs> tower right out of after school classes? or? It's her after school activity. She has to do it for extra credit. <laughs> she has to kill oh, Jihad no. for extra credit for social studies. She's got to get her field trip form signed. That's why she's climbing the tower to find her parents so that they could sign the form and then she could go to the aquarium later. Ah, I knew it. We are terrible people. Imagine climbing the tower, watching multiple of your friends get murdered just so you can go to the aquarium. Just because you wanted a form. That's goals. Kiss oh, the no. aquarium 20 years later. Oh no. I could have just asked Viola to sign this for me. <laughs> Fuck. I could have just asked my sister to sign it for me. I mean, she, oh, she wasn't old enough at the time and then she forgot. Oh, another part of my favorite dynamic is Gosang and Horiang. They're adorable. Yes. Fine. I will ship the straight ship. <laughs> no, Gosek and Horyang are really funny as like they're adorable, but it's also an example of CEO being like bury or straight. Good. Bury them. Put them <laughs> in a coma. <laughs> no. But it's very innocent. It's very cute. It's not forced. It's pretty straightforward from the start. It's just fluff. Yeah. And I don't mind it. Yeah, sometimes things don't have to be complicated. Sometimes someone can just like someone and be liked back. And it it doesn't have to be a complicated multi-season epic that nobody really knows how it's going to end. You don't have to say that they are your whole life and the only reason you exist. All right. You don't have to say it indirectly like that. You don't have to say the world will end. You can just go get ice cream together. Yes. Just fucking go get some ice cream. You can just dance together at a silly prom. Yeah, at the prom on that ship. Yeah. Hell yeah. You don't have to kill yourself multiple times just to prove a point. <laughs> oh no. This is just us waging Kun Bam now. Yeah, hell yeah, we are. <gasps> Do you want to know how bad I want Kun and Bam to be on Team Sweet and Sour together? Oh god, same. So bad. So bad. And I hate that there was a whole year of missed opportunity for that. Just because what? So that Team Sweet and Sour could get stronger. Well, they didn't. So we might as well have just had them together anyways. Mm. But Kun's like, oh, I have to kill Weichu. Mm-hmm. Coming back to Horyang and Gosang, though, I kind of really wish we had gotten to see more sibling relationship dynamic between Gosang and Misang. Yes! I know Gosang is not her literal sister, but is her cousin sister. But the fact that Gosang chose to climb solely for Misang, I think we should have gotten a bit more on that. Definitely. Or at least it would have been nice to. We need that background. Yeah, I wonder if Siu is ever going to give us the backgrounds of all these other characters that they've introduced. We never got Arc Raptor's story. We just got a glimpse of something vague happening. Mm-hmm. To, we don't know if it's his wife or his child. 
but he's gone, so who cares, I guess. I care. I mean, his daughter has apparently appeared in season three. What? Season three a bit in Cage, so... What? You didn't know? No! Yeah, like, one of the characters that appeared during Cage with, I think, Michael and Apple had the same earring that Arcraft appears. So a lot of people were like, oh, that's his daughter. No! You guys didn't know that? I remember now. It was just so impossible. I was like, ah, whatever. I mean, when does he know? He was just recycling shit now. (laughs) When it comes to season three, he was in such a like weird spot mentally. They're like, I don't know what to take seriously and whatnot. Yeah, but uh, it felt like the earrings had enough emphasis for them to be an important thing. Mm. So I do think it's kind of a fairly reasonable conclusion to think, oh, that's probably related to Artcrafter somehow. I think getting to see his daughter will be cool. Is it possible that we'll get Art Raptor back? And Prince, I guess I guess Prince might come no. back. No. No? I mean, their souls are still there. No, see, Prince I can still imagine because he, uh, White absorbed his soul. But Art Raptor is dead, dead. Oh. Art Raptor is super fucking dead. He's super dead. Okay, but okay. But what if we got Prince back? That'd be so cool. Nah. Nah. Hey, fuck you. It's gonna be the same thing as what happened to Rowan. Which is that he got too soul absorbed to be returned yeah. now. Which is I know it's not going to happen, but let me dream. Nah. I'm going to come to your seat and beat you up. No, see, it maybe it could have happened if someone had told Bam in time to reverse it by absorbing souls. Nope. But no, nobody tells Bam things. And Oops. now it's too late, probably. God, and nobody tells Bam, hey, your friends are dead. Yeah, that just happened. And... We don't know if he knows or if he... Dude, dude, we still don't know in season three if he knows or not. And that upsets me. I want to know if Bam knows. He does not. There's a lot of things we want to know if Bam fucking knows. But we don't get glimpses into that. Instead, we get introduced to new characters. And more characters. Characters with dog ears. And those characters' friends. And then their abs. So many abs. Oh god, there's so many abs. And not sexy coon abs. Oh god, don't tell me about... Oh. <laughs> Oh. I mean, we we did get one kun, one shot of Kun's abs in season oh, three. Oh, it was so good. I'm a lesbian, season but also Kun's abs when <laughs> he gets woken up and then he tries to stab Wang Nan with the needle. Oh, double whammy, <laughs> double hotness. Tries to kill someone and it happens to be Wang Nan. Yes. Sorry. Oh <clears> my god. What is your damage? I just hate his guts. I'm sorry. How did Wang Nan fucking hurt you? By being a pleb. Sweet. Yeah, I didn't get that. He just sucks. I'll just go. I'll just go with that. Okay. I think we can switch over because we're basically switching over. Yeah, I think we're done. Ask the next question. What is your favorite character or dynamic? And for Rezzy, what is your favorite right character or dynamic and why? Who's your least favorite character? I mean, least favorite. I mean, okay, it's gonna come to a surprise, but it's Wang Nan. I just really dislike the way that he's been introduced and has so far made zero progress coming into himself. Like, I get that there's a very slow progression in this story, but come fucking on, he's introduced as having this great destiny that he's somehow related to Jihad and you have this foreshadowing that he's the prince and it's going to change the tower and then he just goes on the entire fucking season just getting stepped on kicked around and crying about it and feeling sorry for himself and then that's it and I hate that 
I hate that he doesn't really grow beyond that yet. I know he will eventually, but until he does, he will. I'm going to hate him. He will. See, the thing with Wagner is that I think he's a lot more like the typical shonen protag than Bam is personality-wise and even just like growth-wise. But he doesn't have the power for it. Bam got the shonen personality powers, and Wagner got the personality and charm. And I love that he's a weak-ass pussy bitch. <sighs> I love it because it just shows how unfair the tower is. First of all, yeah, how. There's so many people just like him, even though he's supposed to have a destiny. You know what it is? He feels too much like Rachel. That's that's my problem. Yeah, oh, I, ooh, go on. Yeah, but that's go definitely off. a parallel made on purpose. Like, Wagner experiences the same sort of helplessness Rachel does, but he doesn't resort to her means of just sinking as low as needed. They're character foils of each other. Like... Rachel is what Wang Nan could have been at his worst. if he let himself fall into jealousy and spite. Yep. It's also that Wang Nan and Rachel's characters kind of understate this specific point about the tower that the series makes repeatedly. That to make any kind of significant change in the tower, to be able to even have morals in the tower, you need power. You can't really do anything in the tower without power. Even just morality is a luxury if you don't have power in the tower. And that's that's a point that the series... Power in the tower. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a point that the series makes repeatedly from the beginning with even just with Hozart. Ho's whole thing was that he doesn't have power, even though he has this whole thing to prove to get revenge for his clan. And then Bam has so much power that he has no reason to use, actually, because he's just there for what? Rachel, who's right there. And the story kind of makes that point repeatedly with so many characters' arcs, but it especially sort of understates that point with Wagner and Rachel that, okay, I'm going to give you these two protagonist characters who can't do fuck shit because the tower literally won't let people make changes unless they have the power behind them. Oh, boy. Commentary on privilege. Oh, yeah. It really is. Then it just plays out more into my idea that Bomb is going to be a negative thing for this tower, like for all of it, regardless of whether he's going to be called a bad guy or not, mm -hmm. because he was given that power by who? By the outer guard. Outside of the tower. So his whole purpose, regardless, is to destroy what's yeah. there. And Wangnan, his purpose would be to, what, unite the tower and fix it? I don't know, because we don't fucking see any growth. Yeah, we don't actually know this one. This is why I'm kind of interested to see. He says he's going to fix things. He does say that in the beginning. He's like, I'm going to change this tower for the best. And by golly, he does jack shit. He's, he's trying. Okay. It's the Tower of Babel and he's the curse. <sighs> Remember how Wagner got that sword in the data floor? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, yeah. That sword that was like, oh, if you need to kill this one person, I tell you. And I'll let you save your friends right now. And he's like, yeah, sure. Fuck it. Let's go for it. My friends are more important right now. And I feel like that one's going to come back to bite him really hard. Oh, yeah. Because I, I definitely expect that this sword will tell him to go kill Bam. Do you think he'd try, though? Yes. You know what? I think he's stupid enough to try. I think he's try. stupid enough to try. No, I don't think he actually would. I think it, they will either come up with something to fool the sword, 
or he'll end up sacrificing himself for it and i'm not sure gonna be happy with the sacrifice <laughs> i think one is going to make it to the end i think he's got a very important deal story plot thing to do with jihad and all that fun stuff unfortunately i think we're stuck with him for a very long time he has a role to play okay what do you mean unfortunately because we're gonna watch him evolve so fucking slowly well that's what real change is like yeah but i mean uh, it's already been 10 years we're not all bomb being able to talk to our inner selves Look, the thing with Wagner isn't that he doesn't change, it's that he literally doesn't have the power to change. So that's the thing. That's true. Because he doesn't have the privilege to be able to grow and have those moralities. So then how is he going to get the power to make the changes that he's yeah, see, that's, so that's big the, and that's, mighty that's about? That's the conflict behind his character, basically, that he needs power, but the things that he needs to do to get that power are also things he's not willing to do because they go against what he feels is morally right. So the, what's his point in this goddamn story? <laughs> the story... See you, tell us! This, tell us! He's a character foil! He's a character foil to Rachel who's like, fuck it, if I don't have power, I'll do whatever it takes. And then he's like, I don't have power, but I also don't want to do whatever it takes. I don't want to become that kind of person. He's a character foil to Rachel and a Bam. Yeah, and then there's Bam, who has power. So he gets to hold on to his morals and be like, I don't want to do those things that are wrong. And he has the power to say, okay, I do not want to do these things. So they're kind of a trio of foils to each other. Mm. (laughs) God damn it. Damn the man. You've got Rachel who manipulates people to get power. Mm-hmm. You've got Wangan who befriends people that have power. And then you have Bob who has the power and befriends all the people <laughs> anyway to protect them. He doesn't really befriend people as much as, you know, people just sort of start following him. I mean, okay, he did befriend the people. Yeah, they just joined the cause. On like the floor to Evankel's floor. But he didn't really befriend people a lot after that specifically. He saved people, he helped people, sure, but befriend, not so much. Yeah, Elaine's not his friend. Yama isn't his friend, but they follow him. Not yet. Not yet. They're going to be BFFs. They're going to be best friends. They're all going to fall in love with him. Even like the people they meet on Hell Train are like just there for the ride to see what the fuck is happening and trying mm-hmm. to survive rather than being their friends at that point. That's true. And then afterwards, it's like they've all been through too much to not consider each other friends, but they don't actually know anything about each other even. Well, maybe they do, but we just don't fucking see that. Ugh. Yeah, we wouldn't fucking know if they've been playing cards in the background uh... and having a good jolly time yeah instead we get explosions you get explosions and dog abs god why do those dogs have abs oh god why does the dog have abs because he never skipped exercise day Dude, they just run all fucking he day. never skipped ab day like isu never skipped leg day bro <laughs> okay okay um so Rezi oh. told you guys about how he's not fond of Wagnan. i think the character that especially bothers me in the whole sweet and sour dynamic is Horyang. Oh, Horyang? I thought you were going to say Ewa for some reason. Uh, no, see, I have my set of issues with Ewa's writing, but it's not that I dislike Ewa as a character because she at least has some kind of motivation and personality. And Horyang is just kind of there for the straight romance, for us to get this pitiful backstory about a workshop that doesn't actually go anywhere. And then he's just put in a coma. Yeah, he's a MacGuffin. 
Yeah, and that's something I'm not fond of because it especially really bothers me because workshop is brought up repeatedly as this horrible institution that has control over all the weapons in the tower like everything every invention every weapon it's all basically under workshop's control indirectly or directly and this is a point that the story brings up it tells us that okay workshop will conduct illegal human experiments on abandoned children the whole background for workshop arc is this and then it just kind of drops it after the worker arc is done it this goes nowhere we are told beta suffered for shit horyang and kasano suffered for shit and none of this is ever actually relevant to the story anymore because the biggest protagonist that bam has to beat or all of them have to beat is jahad not workshop not anyone else just jahad so workshop is just kind of there left continuing doing its shit with experimenting on children and everything it might get revisited they really need to shut down workshop and name hunt station Yeah. I feel like they'll definitely have to tackle that later. Mm-hmm. Um but I think Siu explored Horyang's story with Beta and that other fuckface, I don't remember. Kasano. 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 Yeah, Kasano the fuckface. <laughs> I think they did a good enough story introduction to the workshop of like what do they do? How do they start? What are their plans? And then we'll explore it later. Yeah, see If it was just an introduction then it's great it's like a perfect introduction for the whole thing with workshop but it didn't just feel like an introduction since there's never any more references made to it any future arcs we kind of just forget kasano exists that he took emily to fight jahad for this whole workshop issue we just kind of forget about all of this yeah i think it's really because it is so The story is so long. It's so long and so big. That we're just going to get these big gaps of storylines not being revisited until much later, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So a kind of Chekhov's gun except the gun has already fired and it's going to fire again. Uh, okay. No, it's a gun that's laying there with the bullets taken out and the entire gun disassembled and we have to put it back together. <laughs> And also I just kind of don't like that Horyang's just there in a coma for who knows how long and he's there like that and it's just annoying. Yeah. But on the characters that we do like, I honestly I like all of them. But me my sing, favorites me are Misang, 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 Mis. Yes, Misang. Misang and Iwa, <laughs> but mostly Misang. <laughs> Look, she deserves better, right? She deserves to kick ass. And she does. She does. She grows up and she will be a fucking fierce berserker. Yes. I adore that the end result of her character growth so far is Seo deciding that she deserves to be a berserker, you know, hand-to-hand fighter. I love that for mm-hmm. her. Like fucking Wang Nan was whining and bitching and wearing a mask under his nose, you're going to get covid. Fucking plan. <laughs> Misang was training. Right? Why can't Wang Nan fucking do that? Misang could kick his ass. You can't tell me at least physical strength wise this fucker could have at least picked up some weights or something instead of fucking sitting in a corner and cry. <laughs> yeah. He's fucking pleb. Instead of exploring Pokemon balls, he could have just gone to the fucking gym. He was too busy playing with his balls to go fucking go to the gym. <laughs> Lift some fucking weights, bro. Oh no. Instead you got Misang fucking probably sparring with Viol at some point. That would have been fucking great to include. Holy shit, yes. It broke. That's how she got so good so fast. She was fucking sparring with this motherfucker. Mhm. Yes. That's that's canon now. It's 100% canon. 
I also love that they decided to let Endorsey mentor her and give her some tips on that because if there's anyone else in the team that's a berserker, that's Endorsey. It's definitely Endorsey. And it's also really nice to see more female-on-female interaction in the story, considering how little we get of it. Yeah, did we finally pass the Bechdel test? Mm. <laughs> oh, no. I, think, I don't think so. I think we pulled up past it in season one, but not season three or Hell Train onwards, not season two either. That's kind of sad. It is. Oof. Big oof. See you give us more women talking to each other. See you give us more women. Yeah, all the new ones introduced. Besides the big muscle girl, dog girl. And then girl. I think that's and then her hiring An the other intern. I think that's been like mm-hmm. the only interactions between two. I ship it. <laughs> yeah, like we've seen Elaine in season three and she said what? Three words, two sentences. Mm. Has she even said that much? Yeah, no, we just got her flashback no. and she oh, was no. she was sad and then she fought. When is she not sad? When have you said like <laughs> seen Elaine not be sad? When she's being bitchy, like on the fucking ship. Where did they get oh, all these boy. ships? Why it's cool. Like season three, I was like, doo do do, they're gonna just be doing stuff normally, and then it's like we have a fleet. I swear it's a Kuhn thing because fucking Machete shows up with a fucking fleet of goddamn ships from Jihad's army. And I feel like they just have that connection. It's it's my headcanon now. Emotionally. Ships love me. Women fear me. Oh boy. Okay, so on to our next segment, which is our creator spotlight. Today we are spotlighting AJ Draws on Tumblr. Just an absolute amazing creator. And we love her. We love her very much. She makes really, really good art. You should go read her writing. She doesn't write a lot, but what she does write is really fun. It's really fun to read, and it's pretty unique in the way she explores concepts, like the different AUs she explores. She's doing that fairy tale AU with the... Fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's posted a couple clips here and there. It's actually a rewrite of one of her earlier works, and I'm so excited for that. Mm-hmm. Her art, I just... She inspires me. She makes me want to do art because she's improved so much and I love seeing it. It's always exciting to see people's art improve in such short time that I've, you know, followed her stuff for a couple of months and already like, you just got to do it every day. And I'm like, ah, me too. But I don't. So I live through her. I live through her. How about I do it if you do it? We said that two months ago. Guess where we're at? We can try it again. Zero. Not practicing. Starting over. We can do it if Ellie does it. <laughs> Dude, I do it every fucking day. Exactly. Yeah, if you did it at my schedule, you would cry. Oh, no. Just 15 minutes a day, Rezzy. Just whenever you have the time. Uh, I don't have any time. <sighs> Fine. Anyway. You have 15 minutes. Don't fucking lie to me. <laughs> I need those 15 minutes to breathe. To what? Cry? Like a yes. little bitch? Like a little baby? To cry that like Wangan is still fucking going to be there when I, the story starts back up. He better be. He's an amazing character who has so much potential. Yeah, well, you can draw Wagnan being less crybaby if you fucking learn to draw more. I don't want to draw Wagnan. That little shit face. I'm not going to waste my time. <laughs> oh my god, why do you You're hate so him so full of much? hatred. <laughs> I just can't with him. It just pisses me off. I want him to be someone, but he's not. He's a little shit stain. Yes. Wow, you're almost as disappointed in Wagnan as all my teachers me. Oh, Magpie, oh, okay, no. Oh, okay, too real. 
dial it back a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, but chief. Like, the kind of rage Rezi has for Wagnan is exact kind of rage that people have for Rachel, and it's very funny to me. Oh yeah, I don't mind Rachel at all because What? I know she's a piece of shit, and she will always be a piece of shit. And she's like a motivator in the story. She has created a lot of character growth for other characters other than himself. Yeah. So she has a point in the story. Mm-hmm. She's the one that stirs that pot of chaos and angst. Mm-hmm. But Wanglin just fucking gets people killed and then just cries about it. It doesn't get any stronger. Dude, oh my god, you're just going for the fucking throat. It's not like he wants to get people killed. It's just no. like he can't fucking die himself. That's fine. Shit happens. People die. But he doesn't and have it's... to sit there and cry about it every time. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. That you fucking uncompassionate bastard. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Okay, so I'm actually gonna agree. But all of this is from his perspective. His friends' deaths are all from his perspective. So he blames himself. It's because he has severe survivor's guilt. Yeah, he has a lot of survivor's guilt and trauma. But also, actually, I'm gonna agree with Rezi on the thing he said that he doesn't have to get his friends killed. Okay, so Wagnan can't control who puts trust in him and who decides to follow him. That's the individual person's choice. But the plan to go capture Cassano... Oh yeah, that was stupid. That was stupid. And that was pretty much going in to die. That one was his fault. Yeah, that one was on And him. he got warned about it too. Fucking Quarter was like, you're going to lose people yeah. by doing this. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm gonna do it anyway. And guess what fucking happens? Yeah, that one's on him. It was like, that was the point. And instead of going, my bad, no, fucking cries about it. I disagree on that part. He's allowed to cry. Why would, you would cry about it too. He's allowed to cry about that. See, the thing is that Rezi was just complaining that Wagnon doesn't do anything because he keeps losing people. But because he feels that he keeps losing people by not doing anything, that's why he did the thing. And then he lost people anyway. So it's like, damned if he does or damned if he doesn't, I guess. I agree. That's true. Yes. Because if he didn't go, he would pouring lost. Mm-hmm. But he also didn't improve. It's not like he reflected on what he did wrong. He just went. I'm just so weak. And I just cried about it. Okay, he does say he needs to get stronger, but there's no plan. Yeah, I I think Wagner doesn't even actually clearly know how to get stronger as much as everyone else does. And it's also that he doesn't really have the time or space to even begin to process his trauma enough in the first place. Yeah, I think the first step for him getting stronger would be him processing his trauma, which is almost impossible in his situation. Yeah. So we're not gonna get that redeeming arc? We will. We might. I mean, he did have three years now to, you know, process it or get stronger or whatever. So, who knows? Fucking hope so, man. Get shinier balls. He has Jahad's fancy sword of destiny now, so hopefully he did get stronger. I swear if he looks the fucking same and didn't like bulk up or anything. <laughs> yeah, to swing that fucking sword around. He's still a fucking twiggy dweeb. I'm going to be upset more so than usual. We were talking about AJ. Yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> also, AJ runs wonderful events and an event server, which you should join if you really want to get involved in TOG stuff and make friends. 
Yeah, hosts awesome events year-round. Plenty of people, writers and artists can get involved. Mm -hmm. There's a Valentine's Day one and the White Day one that's coming up. So the artists get Sign involved. Sign up for that. I think the sign-ups already ended, actually. Oh, no, I said I signed up for oh, that. Oh, you signed up for that. Hey, I did too. Hey, high five. Hey. But yeah, so they're doing the first round, which is uh, February 14. The artists are going to complete their side, and then the writers are going to complete their response on March 14 on White Day. That is a pretty cool event. I look forward to participating in that as a writer. I even have some extra work just to make sure everybody gets their stuff responded to. So mm -hmm. definitely could always use more people to join those events. Yes, it's so much fun. And AJ is so wonderful for putting all of it together. And also she's a wonderful artist and a wonderful writer and a wonderful person. Mm -hmm. And we stand. And we really do stand. She is multi-talented and amazing. And she stays so on top of all of it. And I don't know how she does it. I don't know. How? Like, she does so much, and she... How do you avoid burnout like that? I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> Too much energy. The people joining these events burned out before she did. That was weird. Yeah, I got burned out before she did, but I also adore her for organizing all these events because a lot of what keeps the community alive are these events that she keeps organizing. Absolutely. Yes. She's a big part of keeping our community alive. Really. And we love her. We do. Yep. So her links are going to be down in the description. Go check her out. Go give her some likes and some comments and tell her that you love her because everyone has to or you're going to get fucking stomped by my hooves. Don't get stomped. Join the events Discord. Send some love. Sign up. Let's do it. Let's do it. And now on to the most fun, the most joyful hilarious question of all so prince and arc raptor oh boy uh -huh. and how that completely did not need to happen i get the having to experience loss but it was completely unnecessary because the loss was not shared with the team it was not experienced by the readers yeah. mm -hmm. it just happened the end that was unnecessary. Yeah, there were no real ramifications. I think it kind of worked as a thing for Wagner to suffer as a consequence of his rashness. But other than that, it didn't have any far-reaching consequences in the story and it should have had those. There's so many people that should have been affected by this that weren't simply because they didn't get the fucking news. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know if they got the news or if they didn't care. I don't think they would not have cared. But like They totally cared. They would have cared. Like even just Kun and Bam should have cared because they spend a lot of time with Team Sweden's art. Mm -hmm. Especially Bam with him being all sentimental about everyone. Uh-huh. Yeah, like the thing he cares about most are his friends. Mm -hmm. And his friends McFucking died. Yeah, they really McFucking died. Yeah, but I think even Kun would have been affected to a certain degree if we knew he knew. Because he was kind of close to our Raptor and Queen Sweet and Sour. Or at least close enough. It is Kun though. Well, I think at that point, yeah. Maybe later season, Kun would have been like, eh. Because he just becomes more and more obsessed with Bomb. But... I mean, even if he is obsessed with Bomb, I don't think he's completely neutral to people he spent like two years with dying around him. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think that he's become more obsessive of Bomb, but also he's expanded his circle of who he cares about. Mm -hmm. That's true. They are not mutually exclusive. Very true. Yes. 
and again there's also the fact that i don't think eva fucking know so that's another thing yeah that's awkward eva would set a town on fire i mean she deserves to she deserves to set like fucking white on fire people simp for white and i'm like i get it he's hot but he's also five little bitches in a trench coat who commits genocide he, I mean, and enjoys people's suffering i mean he's basically a clown in clown makeup that's just really good at his clown makeup Yes. That just has like killer eyeliner. Sometimes simp for clowns. No judgment. <laughs> I hate how right that is. And the true clowns were us all along. I hate how true that is. People simping for clowns. Why is that the trend of the last few years? You know, we used to be terrified of clowns, but now we simp for them. Fucking homestuck. We are in the bad timeline. We are in the worst timeline. Oh boy. Because Homestuck exists. Oh god. And I had forgotten about it, but now I remember. I'm not touching Homestuck. They're uh they're great people. Please don't kill us. I don't know enough to comment. Come fight me behind a Denny's bitch. I don't know enough about Homestuck to say either way, so I'm just gonna be neutral on that one. That's the safest thing to say, Ellie. Just stay away. Just don't say anything. You can bring your Morials, your Kismacy's. Whoever the fuck you want, I will punch you in the jugular and win. Oh, oh dear. I don't even remember their names anymore. I'd like to keep it that way. I just know there's someone who wears sunglasses. That's it. That's all I know. Good. Nice. Keep it that way. What was the question again? The question was just about Prince and Arc Raptor and how much I hated that. Yeah. Pretty useless. I think it, it was also kind of really unnecessary to kill them both. To make the point. Mm-hmm. I think the one that had the most impact was Prince. Was really? I think it was Ark Raptors, so that should have stayed because it was mostly Wagner's personal thing. Like, you know, the whole thing. Personal agenda? Yeah. Yeah, that one was a lot more personal. Like, more directly Rela- faulted. Yeah, that was also mm-hmm. very directly related to Wagner's arc as a character. And also just, you know, direct consequence of his action. Mm-hmm. Where was Prince was like, oops, you got numbed. Yeah, he was like a side okay, tragedy. Yeah, and I get that that happens. It just kind of felt unnecessary at that moment. But I'm also really biased at this point. So who fucking knows? Did you not Did you not care for Prince? Oh, no. I, is, is that what you I mean? I cared for Team Sweden Sour. So I wouldn't want him to die. So that's that's what I meant. Oh, okay. I thought you are like, but fuck Prince. Oh, no. Who gives a shit? And I'm like, <gasps> no, see. Dude, in the Webtoons comments section, everyone's like, I want the old crew back. Who are these guys? And I'm like, shut your face. Shut it. Yeah, they spend the entire time bitching and moaning. This is going too slow. Where's Coon? Where's Rock? I hate when people complain that it's going too slow. Because now it's all accelerated and shit, and you have no idea what's going on besides uwu explosion. Is it accelerated though? It's both dragging and accelerated at the same time together. Right? Yes, that. It's weird. It's a very weird pacing. Yeah. It's because of CU's injuries. But speaking about Prince, I do actually kind of have certain thoughts about his weird character flip from the beginning where he was kind of this weirdly sexist, misogynist asshole to Ava to suddenly flipping to... Sleaze. <laughs> yeah, he was basically a sleaze. 
and then he kind of flipped around to just suddenly being way way better than that as a person and it feels kind of awkward when that happened i mean we didn't really get enough focus on prince for that to matter but it just sort of feels like a really sudden character flip yeah the only explanation i would have for that would be that he was trying to front in front of lurker who works for his dad that's what i would have probably gone to he was imitating his father mm-hmm. big time big shot just buys and cheats and gets whatever he wants with money yeah but prince gets to a point where he gets fucking wrecked by viol and suddenly money and influence all of that means nothing mm-hmm. so he kind of just ends up reverting to his actual self as the story progresses and he realizes okay i got to team up with these kids to survive yeah yes. and then suddenly the responsibility also gets handed off like he is child he is to be protected yeah so he can be a child i love that we got child characters who are treated as children but also i hate the fact that children can climb the tower mm. oh god that has so many terrifying implications that i will not go into right now but we will probably explore in a future episode oh Yes, the child exploitation episode. Can't wait. Uh-huh. Yay! The episode of things that are very fucked up with the tower. Me saying's parents were like, if you want to be somebody, climb the tower. And me saying's like, I am eight years old. <laughs> that's literally like it, and I hate it. <laughs> But is it that that's what she heard, or that's how she interpreted it as, or that's what head on told her? Mhm. So there's definitely mm-hmm. something missing there because that doesn't quite make sense. Like you said, why would a fucking 8-year-old climb the tower? Because she had the potential for it. Yeah, later. There's something said in the wiki about it that people who get chosen at a younger age have a lot more potential, like Ran and Misang. She's going to be a berserker. It's probably related to that and why she got chosen so early, mm. but it's also kind of horrifying that the only criteria for being chosen is potential. So that means that even really young people like Missing and Ran can get chosen. And that the first tests that they deal with just a super powerful fucking baby. <laughs> yeah, a baby thrown in fucking death matches. <laughs> yeah, the first tests are like, all right, survive, fucker. God imagine just missing being thrown in that field from the first floor with zero clue on what the fuck oh. she's supposed to do and just survive for 30 minutes that must have been terrifying she's so tiny she could have just ducked in the grass bam was tiny and bam wasn't fine at all yeah but bam was a special case he was carrying maybe if he wasn't carrying the black march do you think people would have ignored him yeah, i he mean he wouldn't have been targeted by rock uh, i think it depends He got attacked like instantly anyways even without the back black march factoring into it. Uh, he would have survived like 10 seconds. Yeah, he almost got the end. <laughs> Basically. I really do want to know how Missing survived cuz there's a lot mm. of different tests and a lot of death matches because they're not creative. I want to know how she survived fucking Han Sung's floor. She fucking bitch slapped Han Sung. God, I wish. I think she's pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. I think it's also that some some of the older regulars took her under the wing because they took pity on her as a child or something. Yeah. I think that was the implication. Yeah, yeah I think that's that's exactly. Which like and then she starts crying because it's true. It's true and then they had to abandon her because she was too much of a burden at floor 20 or something that was the thing. Yep. Wagner oh. taunted her about. Yeah, I remember that. What an ass. See, he's useless. He's a jerk. He's a twat. <laughs> 
What an asshole. No. No, no redeeming qualities. No. It was because Wagner has been through the same thing that he's had. See, that's the thing. The tower cultivates this mindset that you can only look out for yourself. You can't look out for others. If you look out for others, you will get punished. It's basically a no good deed goes unpunished kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. It's probably him mostly yelling at himself rather than... Mm-hmm. And he just happens to hit the nail on the head and she starts crying. Yeah. And not yell at eight-year-olds to vent. Wangna needs to work out his issues. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> oh, God. Fucking make a baby cry. He's one of those bitches who, like, a baby's turning around and looking at you while you're in line shopping. And you make a face at it. But Wangnan does that and the baby cries. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Ugly snaggletooth motherfucker. He's too this cute. And then he starts crying, too, because he made the baby cry. Jeez. And then he starts crying. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, in this entire episode, we haven't really talked about Ava, but that's like a whole other rant that's like a very, very long Give rant. us a preview. Yeah, give us a preview. Um, It's basically that there's a lot of things that have been implied about the 10 families with both Ava and Kun and Angel and just various characters throughout the series that I feel could have been explored a lot with Ava as a character, but then it just isn't. Because she sort of loses purpose like the rest of the team after Vio stops being Viol and becomes Bam again. Mm-hmm. But unlike Sweet and Sour, she isn't completely benched. She's sort of there with the team in certain arcs like in NHS. But there's no point to her being there. She's just kind of used as bait again and again. And then one more time. And she deserves better and than again. that. Yeah. She does. She deserves... The women deserve better than the way the narrative treats them. Yeah, the few women. Let's sip that tea. And it's like the story continuously goes off and tries to tell us, like, okay, she's this very powerful, special, young family, single child who has very special firepowers. And yet it gives her, like, zero agency in the story, even just in her own personal story. Like, there's so much setup for her art to be really good so many things to be explored about how the 10 families are sort of really best off, but it just never explores it. I got a bone to pick with them constantly saying that the Yon flame is so powerful and then Bob just stands in it and he's just like, whatever, fuck you. It just freezes her. And then later on when she lights the needle on Kuhn's that they're doing acupuncture, she lights that needle on fire and Kuhn just like snuffs it out. What? What, what the that? fuck was that? Was that, what is it, foreshadowing to his ice Shinsu? Or was that just Siu insinuating that she's not actually that powerful? I don't know. No, but I, I still don't know what the fuck was up with the fire acupuncture. Like, there was zero explanation for that. What the fuck was that? The explanation was they were trying to wake him up because they thought he was dying. So they set a needle on fire in his chest? Yeah, he did acupuncture. To do what, though? I don't think that's how acupuncture works. Uh, is it to activate his, his chakra, his shinsu in his body? I don't fucking... <laughs> As an Indian, I resent the use of the word chakra like that. Oh my god. I Uh. hope that's not what they were implying. I hope not. (laughs) I desperately hope not. I think it was just normal acupuncture, except they don't fucking know how to do it because they're incompetent. (laughs) No, see, if it was just a needle, I would have been fine. But why the fuck was the needle set on fire? That must have been an accident. What the fuck was that? Because Eva just wanted to help, okay? She just gets nervous and then starts lighting shit on fire and it just happened to be the needle that was in Kuhn but it's okay because he's 
fucking the ice <laughs> prince and he snuffed that shit out like it was a fucking cigarette or a birthday candle. A birthday candle. <laughs> like a fucking birthday candle. He just snuffed that shit out with his fingers. Imagine waking up and you have like <laughs> melting birthday candles on your chest. Some people find that really sexy. No! You just have one stuck right in your chest to celebrate not dying. <laughs> oh no. How about no? Happy living to you. No, thank you. Happy living to you. We're all so glad you're alive. Happy living to you. <laughs> and stay away from Wangnan. <laughs> but yeah, I really think Sweet and Sour could have used more interaction between the females on the team. Like even just Goseng and Eva could have had some kind of friendship between them. Yes. They needed that. Girls' night. Girls' night, sure. The two girl bosses unite. That's literally just how girls are. We tend to bond. Yeah, we just bond really hard. Yeah, that's how you you girls do? Yes. (laughs) And I'm not saying that people can't bond with other genders or the opposite gender. It's just that... Girls um, go to the bathroom together. There's no reason for them to not fucking bond. (laughs) Like, there's no such thing as, you know, their personalities not meshing well. Or, like, we barely see them interact enough even to get an impression of whether their personalities mesh well or not. Yeah, there's some things that could have been thrown in there. At least, maybe not even dialogue, but just some pictures or something to clue us in on that dynamic. Mm-hmm. A lot of the advice Eva gets in the team is from our crafter, which I think happens with most of the team, is that they tend to get advice from our crafter. Yeah. But they could have added a couple scenes with even just Goseng. Because I think Goseng actually kind of relates to her struggles a lot more as you know feeling helpless yeah definitely and we will continue this iwa rant later for now we have our last segment which is a challenge for all you listeners we have five words that we challenge you to make a short fic or art piece out of the people who use the most words have the chance of getting mentioned on the next turtle talk episode and we'll like reblog it and retweet it So here are our words. Hug, miracle, worship, demoralize, and defenestration. Happy creating. Let's see who can beat this challenge. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting because defenestration means to throw someone out a window (laughs) it's one of my favorite words in the english language because i saw that and was like oh wow they really just made a word for that huh it's what it deserves Mm -hmm. i want to throw someone out the window (laughs) i want to throw michael out the window i want to be thrown out of the window let's take turns shoving michael and rachel out of the window oh god yes let's throw michael and rachel out (laughs) that's a good time don't forget to tag it hashtag Turtle Talk Challenge on Tumblr, AO3, Twitter, and Instagram. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's it for today's Turtle Talk. Be sure to check out our socials down below and listen to the next episode of Friday Night Fandom coming out in a month. Have a wonderful day or a fabulous night. See ya, turtles. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, we can put that in a terrible outtakes that we shouldn't have done. (laughs) There's a lot of things we shouldn't have done. Like sacrificing that goat. Yeah. Shouldn't have done that. Sacrificing the what? You know, the goat. You were there, the goat.
I mean, it was a stuffed animal, but still. 